Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of the Steelers Hangover. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and I am the podcast producer here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I am so glad to be with you once again after a real game. Wow, we've been doing this hangover a long, long time, Tony, haven't we? Uh, going on, uh, this is year number six, right? 2017 was the first season. Yeah, wow. And I tell you what, so we've been hungover since then, and we're feeling good about it, especially when the Steelers win their opening game against a rival, a team that's beat them three straight. And the circumstances on how they won have people a little bit antsy, and we're going to be talking all about that. Shannon White, how are you feeling on this Victory Monday? Well, not as happy as I normally would be. But we'll get into that. But I think I have the same reservations that Olive Store Nation has. Well, I have reservations for the Olive Garden, so let's get this going. <laughs> I don't, but those are my only reservations. I, I think we'll talk you off the ledge if you are indeed on it. But first, let me tell you this. You need to be checking out BTSC. That's behind the still curtain.com for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. And when I'm talking Pittsburgh Steeler needs, you need to know what's going on and know what's going on first. And you find it here, not just your one-stop shop, your non-stop shop. And that non-stop shop continues last night after the game. What happened? Well, there was a Steelers post-game show as well as a post-game press conference recap 
from Mike Tomlin. And I had a chance to be on both of those shows. I was glad to be on there. And it's nice when it's a W. This morning, Jeff Hartman celebrated a victory Monday on our flagship morning show called Let's Ride. And he had the winners and losers from the Steelers win over the Cincinnati Bengals. So check that out. There's going to be some great shows later on. Check out tomorrow morning. The Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict. Check out The Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar in the Scobro Show tomorrow night with Rich and Dave Schofield. There is so much going on. There's also going to be a Mike Tomlin press conference recap. His Tuesday show as he gets ready for the who? The New England Patriots. So, so much going on. But let's get into the game. Here we go. The Steelers go into Paycor Stadium which I've got a problem with more than anybody should have a problem with the Acrisure guys, but I'm going to get to that in a second. But they go into Cincinnati and they take on the defending AFC champions and they beat them. There were a lot of mistakes on both sides of the ball. The Cincinnati Bengals, well, Joe Burrow had four interceptions and had a fumble that was recovered by the Steelers as well. Tony and Shannon, I'm going to ask you this first. I'll go to Tony. Did the Bengals stink? Did they lose that game, or did the Steelers find a way to win that game? I'm going to ask you both. Tonester? Uh, I think I think it was a little bit of both. I, I think the, the Steelers' de- defense was so dominant early on. That they gave they gave the offense just an, so many opportunities to, to win that game handily, and they just the offense just wasn't capable of doing that. Uh, so so I, I think the Steelers did, did enough on defense to win, but the, but they they rightfully um, should have lost at the end because of of you know they just broke down they they ran out of gas. But 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 you know the, thanks to some special teams blunders by the Bengals, I think they helped they helped keep them in the game, and of course ultimately they 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 played a hand in, in the Steelers winning the game. What do you think, Shannon? Do you think the Steelers deserve credit for the victory or they're just the recipients of a loss by the other team? It's funny you said deserve because that is like the uh, beginning of my stock report article uh, for tomorrow. Uh, The Steelers deserve to win that game if for nothing less than the defense played their best complete and most dominating performance in quite a few years. The If you watched the, across the NFL yesterday, there was a lot of uh, offensive sluggishness. Um, you know, they, a lot of mistakes, pre-snap penalties, uh, because a lot of teams did not play their starters at all. And the Bengals didn't play their starters at all. So Burrow come in in, in the preseason. So Burrow come in yesterday, and he was – coming off the appendectomy surgery, plus, you know, the they hadn't worked together. So going up against a stout Steelers defense that has played together and, and it performed together, uh, I thought the Steelers, you know, did what they were supposed to do. And if they are healthy, which we'll get into, they can be a dominant defense. But I, I thought they deserved to win. I think the offense uh, did not do their part. And that's why, you know, they almost lost. But the point is they won, and, and it was a shock uh, to everyone. But 
because you know I wasn't taking into the account how rusty the Bengals would be. Well, I did not think that was going to be a problem whatsoever, but we found that out the last few years in Steeler Nation here with Ben Roethlisberger barely playing in the preseason, and we have seen a lot of seasons start out. We've seen a couple 0-3s over the last few years, a couple 1-3s. We've, we've seen a lot of non-smooth sailing because teams aren't ready. I know you risk losing a starter but you've got to start playing those guys because if you don't they're rusty and you lose and you have to play catch up luckily for the Steelers they don't have to play catch up but they have to answer a lot of questions and a lot of the questions are going to be surrounding around poor play on the offense and they're going to be surrounding injuries as well so now let's talk about the injuries first Shannon, the report today was that TJ Watt showed up. He was bandaged, but he was walking around the Steeler locker room. There's a lot of thought that this might not be a season-ending injury. This could be a four to six game injury. Do you will you take that? Oh, it would be a answer to prayer if he only misses four to six weeks. Because as we was talking before the show. He's indispensable. I mean, he's irreplaceable. Uh, and, you know, it would be like anybody's best player going down. You just can't prepare for that. And it will change the fortunes of the season if, if he misses the whole year. Um, and it, it's sad because he literally could have won at least one more defensive player of the year award, if not two. And he started out this year looking even better than he did last year. And then for that injury to happen, you know, he kind of, it's funny, JJ, you know, was the most dominant defensive player in football. Then he started suffering these type of injuries. And these are injuries you didn't see back in the day in the seventies guys, because guys wasn't ripped up like they are now. They didn't build their bodies. And I know they, they stretch and they use nutrition and chiropractors and everything, but they just didn't suffer these type of injuries, but now there's such a fine line and these guys push their body to the limit to compete. And you see these kind of tears and, and can be season ending. And of course, stores have already went through that with Hayward and into it. Uh, and hopefully it's not a season ending. Tony, let me ask you this about your frustration with everybody throwing in the terrible towel already because TJ Watt might be gone for the season, whether he's gone for the season or not, does that really dismiss 52 other players in a coaching staff? Well, I mean, I think it'd be naive to say, to say that it, it's not going to impact them majorly. I mean, he is like Shannon said, he's your best player. This is like uh, losing Ben Roethlisberger on offense. This would be like losing Troy Polamalu in his prime. You know, he's that important to that defense. And and uh, so I could see why people would be frustrated with that because we know going into this season, or we, we said going into the season, that the defense had to carry the team uh, because the offense was just going to be so compromised as, it, as it's learning and, and growing. And yesterday we saw another example of that. The offense looked a lot like it did last year just with a more mobile quarterback. So, you know, I could see why people would say that. The only thing I will say about, about if – what were to be down for the year or any length of time is 
you know, when, when Ryan Chazier was lost in 2017, unfortunately, a more dev, a much more devastating injury, obviously. He was more like the centerpiece of that defense. He did a lot of the heavy lifting. TJ Watt was, was a rookie. You had Joe Hayden, and obviously he was a fantastic player for them, and obviously Cam Hayward. But uh, I think now there, there are more good pieces on that defense that, that they can compensate a little bit better. But they're not going to make up for, for his loss uh, totally. You just can't do it. I mean, that's why you pay a guy like that $80 million. If you thought you could make up for, for his absence with a next man up kind of guy like Malik Reed or Derek Tuska or, or, or whomever, you're not going to pay that guy $80 million. You're not, you're not going to set a precedent for your franchise and, 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 and do that. So I can see why fans would be frustrated with that because it's, it's, it's a huge deal for, 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 to lose a guy like that. Hopefully it's not, it's not for, uh, for the whole year. It's just a month. I just find it insulting. And I understand that, you know, he is an irreplaceable player, but I find it insulting to players like Cam Hayward, Alex Highsmith, and Minka Fitzpatrick, who were lights out for the defense in that game. We're going to talk a little bit more about those fellas in a little bit, but let's talk about the other injuries. What do you guys know about Najee Harris? All the whispers coming out of Pittsburgh saying that it should not be that big of a deal. He should not be gone for too long. Shannon? Well, I think it is a big deal because he was already dealing with the Liz Frank sprain. And based on reports, it's the same foot. And he's, I don't know if he's re-injured it or injured it more severely because he didn't look like himself uh, in the limited preseason action he got or yesterday, in my opinion. Um, and I wasn't the only one that noticed that Brian Baldinger, he mentioned it as well. Um, I, I think Harris, the Steelers need to, regardless of how severe the sprain is, they need to rest him and try to get him completely healthy, uh, for later in the season. Uh, we hate to not have him in there, but this, those type of injuries is, is not going to get better, uh, without rest. And, uh, if he can't play, up to, uh, you know, at least 90%. Uh, behind that offensive line, you know, he's just risking further injury, maybe season ending, and he's not going to be effective. So I, I think that, that there needs to be some caution and they need to be smart about everything, uh, the way they handle this. Absolutely, Shannon, and I agree with you about that. Other guys went out. There were some other injuries in that game. Tony, are they concerning to you, or do you feel like uh, most of these guys, like the Spillanes, like the guys that got hurt yesterday, Hayward went out for a little bit, came back in, do you have any other problems? No, I mean, I don't think I don't think any of those injuries, they, they were, you know, the, the bumps and bruises associated with, with, with play, as Mike Tomlin would say, it, it seemed like that. And it seemed like uh, Hayward was just, just, exhausted he was gassed i mean you know that guy if you watch if you isolate him on, on every play he just he's just like going to war with the guy up, uh, he's going against i mean the guy's just a wrecking ball so he was probably just gas it was 70 minutes in to the game by that point or close to it so i think he'll be fine and and you know you, none of the other ones seemed seemed uh that serious uh i mean maybe maybe levi wallace with the ankle i don't know what what the deal is with him but he's your he's your uh third cornerback so um, if he's not in there, then you have people like Arthur Mallette, uh when you're going into those sub packages. So 
hopefully Wallace is, is uh his isn't too bad because he, he he you know he made some plays in yesterday's game and he's he's obviously a, a fine veteran so but the but other than Harris and Watt I, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about as far because you know Cole came back in the game so I, I think they'll be fine with the rest of those guys. So Minka Fitzpatrick had an okay game yesterday. <laughs> he had a pick six, which is I think that's his third in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. Mm-hmm. And that makes him right now two below Rod Woodson and William Gay for the all-time team lead. And I would love to see him get four more then, if that's the case. Actually, three more, if that's the case. And I'd love to see him be the all-time leader. You know, Minka is phenomenal to me. Mm -hmm. And he does a lot of things for this team. I mean, he's in there blocking an extra point. And Mike Tomlin, now Mike Tomlin says this, and I agree with Mike Tomlin when he says it. I'm proud of Mike Tomlin for saying it. It's like, yeah, we didn't do anything special on that play. It wasn't anything that we did. You guys saw it. That ball took a long time to get back to the border. Yes, that was, if that guy doesn't get injured, then you don't, you really don't have a problem. The Steelers would lose that game. Right. Because of both of those kicks, because of the snaps, snapping counts. And I've been there. I have not, not playing, but I've been in the stadium. That magical year of 2008, the Steelers lost to Eli Manning and the New York <laughs> Giants because Greg Warren got hurt. I'm there and I'm listening on the radio and I'm like, oh, Greg Warren got hurt. And people were, there were people around me, season ticket holders for life. Like, who's Greg Warren? <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Right. Like, that, that's a big deal. So Harrison's in, and then he could not, he could not snap. <laughs> and he, James Harrison, was their reserve snapper. And I know you guys were laughing about it. Thank goodness they won the Super Bowl, but they lost the game. Yeah. And I was with a Giants fan, so that made it a longer, a longer ride home. <laughs> but but all I'm saying is is that in these situations, this guy is so good and. You, if you lose a guy like TJ Watt, you've got a superstar on your team besides Cam Hayward. And it's Minka Fitzpatrick. He looked like a leader, even when both, all those guys were healthy out there. And he had a chip on his shoulder. And Shannon, do you believe when Minka Fitzpatrick says, we don't like those guys at all. We remember what they did last year. Do you believe that makes him go in like Jefferson from Fast Times at Ridgemont High after he thought the other team wrecked his car and he tried, he just killed everybody? You remember the movie, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was Minka yesterday, wasn't it? Again, we're touching on my stock report article, but <laughs> that's what I was talking about Fitzpatrick. Mika played, that's the most physical I've ever seen him play, by far. He wasn't just separating guys from the football. He was separating guys from their senses. Yep. I mean, he was just going, I mean, it wasn't dirty hits either. He was leading with his shoulder, but he was just taking guys out. And they would talk trash. He was talking trash back. That's usually not his game. Yeah. But he, <laughs> he was pissed about last year. And everything that went down and how bad they got embarrassed. And saying that they quit, 
And he said, leading up to the week, I don't like them. Don't like none of them. And he went out and he played like he didn't like them. And he he showed he's worth every penny they give him. Uh, he, he set the tone for that game and hopefully a trend for the season because that was a difference maker type game that we haven't seen out of a Steeler safety. Uh, you know, he did that a couple years ago, but that's a Troy Palomala type game. I mean, he, he had that kind of impact yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that it's one thing to say something. I can't stand when guys talk the talk and then they get out there and they don't walk the walk. <laughs> he did both yesterday. He indeed did. Now, Tony, I'm going to ask you this, because if you asked a Bengals fan, I think today, I think Minka Fitzpatrick is public enemy number one with them now. And the reason I say that is because they kind of have uh, a lot of Bengals fans are like that and they get bent out of shape very easily. And because of the Vontez perfect thing, they're they're kind of looking at it the other way, trying to say, well, you know, our kid's bad, but your kid's bad too. And in fact, your kid might be even worse here. You know, our kid Minka Fitzpatrick, yeah. He's going to get blamed for knocking out T. Higgins. He's going to... If you're in Cincinnati, how how dirty of a player do you think Minka Fitzpatrick is, whether he really is or not? Well, you think he's the he's he's the most evil man on the planet right now because that's just how that's just how it is to be a fan. I mean, he's he's a worthless pos as, as people say on social media. So that's who you, that's what you think of of Mika. But you know, if you look at the, some of the, the plays, I mean, they were they were edgy, but they weren't like perfect. The stuff no. that he did, they weren't even close to that. Like that the penalty after the uh, Sutton interception, that was basically him him reacting to what he thought was going to be a catch by the receiver. That wasn't like he was like headhunting, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what that was. Uh, as far as the hit on T Higgins, I mean, he, you know, I, did he, did he, did he leave with his helmet? I don't think he did. I thought that was Edmonds that did that. So I don't know. It, it, that was a, that was a, a bang, bang play too. And, and, and uh, Higgins went to, uh, he ducked when, 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 when the, the contact was made. So it's not like it was headhunting. So, I think that's why Higgins got hurt on that play. So, looks like we lost Tony's audio there for a second, mm-hmm. and so uh, now you're not you're not just uh, you're not imagining that, Shannon. It looks okay, like, <laughs> looks like his audio is out. And now Tony's on mute trying to fix the problem and we'll get back to him in a second. Yeah, that was my mistake. I thought it was Minka that was accused of uh, going after T Higgins, but those, those calls at the end of the game, Shannon, how do you think they were egregious, especially on that last little bit of time, all those keeping drives alive for the Cincinnati Bengals five times. Five times. Five first downs via penalty. Even the play where Watt got the injured by throwing Collins out of the way and, and then jumping up in second burrow, you know, it, you know, they said that, you know, he had his hand on his face mask and they, they threw the penalty. There was another play that, that the Steelers stopped them and they was a ticky-tack pass interference. I mean – there was just so many calls that, as a lot of people have said, it appeared that the refs wanted that to be a close game at the end, which they got their wish. 
and and there was a you know everybody was watching and everybody was tuning in. It was really exciting, too exciting for for me. Anybody that's on blood pressure medication, but uh, it, it it did seem like that the the calls were a little one sided in that fourth quarter. We'll just put, you know leave it at that. It almost felt like the end of Cobra Kai season four at the All Valley Tournament. When yes, I, I'm not spoiling season five, but at all the valley tournament when the rest were paid off. Mm-hmm. The, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, hmm. It seemed like every time you did something well, that ah, there's some yellow laundry. Oh, there's some more yellow laundry. So <laughs> it was absolutely a crazy game yesterday. I at one point, fellas, were you just hoping it was going to end? Tony? Tony, you still having trouble there? Okay, Tony's still having trouble. Uh, Shannon, were you just hoping for that game to end at one point? Because I was playing for a tie. Yeah, they was at one point I was like, yeah, just if this thing ends in a tie with everything that's going on, I get I get accepted. Don't, wouldn't like it, but I get accepted. And then when the Bengals punted the ball back to the Steelers and they didn't even use all the clock and give them that extra time. And then, of course, what a final drive. I mean, the clutch catch by Johnson, incredible catch. And then the, the, the you know, off-schedule play to Firemuth to get them down there in field goal positioning. Uh you know, of course, then I quickly changed my mind and I wanted the stories to finish that off. But, uh, but you know, that clutch factor is something that, you know, the stories can't count on anymore. But I thought that that, uh, that was a good off-schedule play by Trubisky and Firemuth. And hopefully that's a foreshadowing of things to come. So let me ask you this. If they would have tied... Now... If you're Cincinnati and they would have ended up tying because of the missed extra point, the blocked extra point, that's going to feel like a loss to you. Would it have felt like a loss for the Steelers? I know they had a 14-point lead at one juncture. But when you're an underdog, when you're in a a six-and-a-half-point underdog, it's not really a loss, is it? Are you asking me? Yeah, Tony. Oh, uh, well, at that point in the game, um, after losing Watt and fearing the worst and then having that big lead, uh, I, I think it would have felt like a loss. It would have felt like um, like the Cleveland game from a few years ago uh, when they had that 21-7 lead and James Conner fumbled and that changed the whole dynamic of the game. Uh, it would have felt like a loss to me. But just based on because not, not be, you know, they, they beat a, or they, they, they tied a division rival on the road, the defending AFC champion, but – Considering, you know, you, you lose your best player and, and, and you lose your be- your your starting running back potentially for a long time, uh, it would have felt like a loss. Well, thank goodness it was not a tie. I didn't want an- another opening day tie like you had <laughs> just a few years ago. Boy, whew, the, those stink. I, I'm not a big fan of that whatsoever. Now, Shannon, I'm going to ask you this question, and it's about the Steelers not being able to convert in those situations late in the game. Does that mean there should be a quarterback controversy? 
Oh. Hmm. I had to go there. Yes, no yes. If you watch the game, I thought that when the, the Steelers got the lead with the, you know, the pick six, and then they got the turnovers, which put them in a good field position, and they, they got that lead, to me, they started the game trying to be more creative and running some of Canada's offense, you know, snaps from under center and, and misdirection and end rounds to Claypool had Claypool working out of the slot, which he looked very effective. But once they got that lead, they, it was more conservative after that. And it was a lot of, you know, short passes, not risky throws, you know, and, and hope that the receiver could break a tackle and get the first down. To me, they went ultra conservative and that kept them from ever getting a rhythm. So it's hard to judge the offense's performance based after they got that early lead. That's true. That's true. But still, gosh, there's going to be people calling for Kenny Pickett. Tony, who are you calling for to be continue to be quarterback or be quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, you know, I, I, I said before the season, he was getting it at least a month. Um, I just I don't understand what what like Shannon said. It went conservative, uh, especially over like maybe the last three quarters of the game. I mean they they had all those chances early on and they got like what ten points out of it and and they really didn't they were they weren't aggressive at all in the passing game. Nothing over the middle. It was just like what you saw the last two years. Everything you know five yard outs, uh, back shoulder throws, just you know drop back and 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 hit a receiver on the sideline and hope he can make somebody miss. Like Shannon said, it, it was the same thing we've seen. So I don't know what that was all about because, you know, the whole idea of getting a mobile quarterback was so he could move around back there and have a more dynamic uh, offense and, 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 you know, maybe compensate for, for the struggles of the line. But it was like, it was Ben back there, just, you know, uh, uh, sitting back there and, and getting rid of the football as quickly as possible. And I just don't get that. I mean, you know, if you wanted, if you, if you went out to get a mobile quarterback, I think Trubisky, his mobility is, you know, Jim Miller said it was elite uh, a few months ago, uh, the Chicago radio guy, the old Steelers quarterback. And, and I thought, well, I thought it was pretty good, but not elite. But he looks like Fran Tarkenton, you know, the way he's able to move around. And I just don't, I don't get why they're not taking more chances with him, uh, you know, sitting back there in the pocket for another second or two and, and, and trying to be more aggressive downfield. I feel like Fran Tarkenton right now, but the uh, 80-some-year-old version of (laughs) (laughs) number 10 for the Minnesota Vikings. And what other team did he play for, guys? Do you remember? Giants. Yeah. He was a New York Giant. Uh, I got to bring this up. We've got our first Super Chat of the day, and I am going to – I'm just loving this. I'm bringing this up. Thanks so much to Bill Frost. Dormont loves Tony. Enough oh my said. It's my buddy Bill. <laughs> You've got some, but you've got you have some yeah. friends out there. Yeah, we, get... we, we've had we've had drinks together and been to a wedding together. You know, he's a he's a good dude. He's a he's a he's a dad, so he probably uh probably never gets any sleep. He's a young he's got a young kid, so that's probably why he was uh, delusional enough to give me fi- to give us five bucks. So thank you, thank you, Bill. <laughs> well, no, you have to buy him a drink next time. I, I, I do, guess. I do, I do. Yeah, I've uh. I have never gotten, and Shannon has never gotten Dormont loves Brian or Shannon. So I think that's a big deal. Wow. I absolutely love it. Bill Frost, welcome to the show, my friend. And thanks for the, the tip. 
you know what? We need to have a Tony Defio Appreciation Club. That's what that's what I'm looking at, my friends. Well, there's the start of it right there. So let's talk about this now. Was the Steelers running back? Excuse me. Was the Steelers running game bad? Were the running backs bad? Or was the offensive line, when you're talking about the rush game, horrendous? Shannon White thoughts. I think that they're still having some of the same issues. In the preseason, they were having communication issues and and missing assignments and allowing penetration right up the middle, if, whether it was the run or the pass. But they kind of cleaned it up the last preseason game. And I thought yesterday they were more stout up the middle for the most part, uh, especially in pass protection. Um, now, the running game, they're just just—they're still not getting any push. And I, I think part of the problem is they are still predictable. Their, their best plays are the end arounds and misdirection and uh, sweeps with Claypool or they have other guys that can run those plays. But when they just try to do straight drop back handoffs uh, from under center, you know, by the time they get the ball, the running back gets to the line of scrimmage, there's no push. There's no holes there. So they're never going to be a powerful run blocking line, but I think they can work good combo uh, combinations and that they will be able to improve that running game once they show that they can throw the football down the field, particularly over the middle and down the seam. But until they change that uh, and show they're capable of that, I think they're going to continue to struggle trying to run the ball. Tony, your assessment of the offensive line, you could do it as a whole or you can split it in half. You can go one part rushing, the other part pass blocking. Well, it looked to me like as far as the, the, the pass protection that Trubisky didn't trust them. Or they didn't, or they, or they didn't trust the line, and, and they and they asked Trubisky to get rid of the ball. Or like it seemed like, you know, it was it was again, it was like three or four step drop, get rid of the ball all, all game long. That's what you saw all game long. So it, it's hard to evaluate the pass protection because he didn't really stand back in the pocket for long, uh, very long. As far as the, the run game, like Shannon said, there was no push. You know, uh, Harris had twenty three yards on ten carries, and 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 their their leading rusher was uh, Chase Claypool again on sweeps and and jet uh, that kind of thing, gimmick gimmicky kind of plays. So, uh, I would say my evaluation of the line is is the same as it was uh, last year. It's just really needs a lot of work. Uh, they need they they need to figure some things out collectively because it's just they're not. They're, it's again like Shannon said, until they prove that they can be more aggressive down the middle of the field. They're, they're, they're going to continue to crowd the box. And what did Chase Young say at the end of 2020? Uh, we exposed them. They figured the league has figured them out and they got to do something to change it. Or this offense is going to continue to look exactly like it's looked over the last two years. It's very true. So Tony, I'm going to ask you this question, the wide receivers on offense, what is your assessment of them? Because there were not a lot of receptions. There were not a lot of receiving yards. I think somebody, and Jeffrey Benedict might have put this in the live chat, saying that Juju Smith-Schuster in the first half probably has so many more passing yards than, I mean, receiving yards than everybody else. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Where do you rank the wide receivers in this game? Uh, I'd say maybe... Chase Claypool with a slight edge over Deontay Johnson. 
and everybody else. I mean, it was, I mean, Pickens didn't really do anything. Nobody else really contributed. So I'd say Claypool, slight edge. I didn't see a lot of separation. Uh, from, but then again, you know, if, if you're so predictable, you're not, you, you know, you're not going to get very many chances. What they expect these guys to do is catch a, catch a pass five yards from the line of scrimmage and, 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 and beat tacklers, you know, down the sideline. And, and that's the same recipe they've been using the last few uh, couple of years. So uh, I didn't see a lot of separation, but then again, I'm not exactly sure if that's their fault. Like I saw a lot of opportunities where George Pickens was one-on-one and I'm like, Go, George Pickens is one-on-one, do something, be aggressive. Uh, give us another uh, uh, Martavis Bryant moment. Like in, in uh, 2014, when I was at that stadium and he went 95 yards, give us another one of those. And they didn't even try it. There was, there were really no deep throws all game that were, unless it was like, uh, you know, yeah, there were really no deep throws the entire game. Tony, where is the wide receiver stable in your mind? Did you say Tony or, or Shannon? I'm sorry, Shannon. Um, to me, there was some open uh, opportunities yesterday, but Trubisky doesn't anticipate throwing lanes coming over. He, if it's there and he has a direct sight line, he has the arm and the ability to get it there. That's why his best plays is when he rolls out or extends the play and then he can get a direct line uh, where he can see the play develop, but he doesn't anticipate well, which is something that Pickett does do. And we've seen in the preseason where Pickett was throwing guys over. He, he There was one play in particular where, Firemuth was even and was covered, and he threw the ball to where he anticipated where Firemuth was going to come open, and he did, and it was a big play. Um, so they're going to have to use Trubisky differently if they're going to be successful in in the offense that they're trying to run right now, because with Harris's injury and the line still developing, I just I think that the passing part is going to have to come before the rushing success. So there was a couple of times the Pickens, as Tony said, had a great matchup and they didn't even look at him. <laughs> I mean, he, he just did not even look at him. And Pickens was visibly frustrated yep. in the third quarter. And you can understand why, because if you <laughs> know you could beat your guy, but they're not looking at you at all. Uh, and, and everything was, again, that little short passing game. Um, it, it had to be frustrating for the young man. So, um, I think that the, the that um, Canada just needs to call a game that's more suited to Trubisky's strengths than he did this first week. Overall, Tony, what do you think of the play calling? I'm not that happy with it because it, it's 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 what we've seen again. It's what we we saw last year and 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 maybe maybe basically the second half of 2020, and we, they were supposed to be a you know you, you were expecting a more dynamic approach with a, a new and mo- a mobile quarterback, a, a more mobile quarterback in Trubisky. So I, I'm not, I wasn't that happy with it because, but then again, you don't know why you don't know why it's like that. Are they, are they so convinced that the offensive line is, is a liability that they're not willing to change. So I don't know why they're calling the plays that they are calling out. Clearly they want these plays to work, but they keep pl- calling the same ones over and over again that haven't been working. So I don't know what <laughs> I, I wouldn't give it. I, I, I'm not very happy with the play calling. Let's go over to the defensive side of the ball. And, well, three sacks from 
Mr. Highsmith, fantastic. I know he benefits from Mr. Watt being on the field, but still, three sacks is phenomenal. And they also did a great job in stopping the run yesterday. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that I'm going to bring up and talk to Shannon about first. A guy that you have been, you know, reticent to say that he should keep his job on the team, and it's Devin Bush Jr. Oh, okay. So we're going to talk about Devin Bush. We have well, to. Yes. Well, I, I I see progress yesterday. I see him flowing to the, towards the football. And again, as everybody kept saying last year, you know, part of the problem was the defensive line wasn't keeping him clean. Well, you see what a difference Tyson Alulu makes. You see what a difference, you know, we know how great Hay- Hayward is, but Ogajobi, I mean, he played an excellent game yesterday as well. And even Chris Wormley stepped up. Not being, you know, not being required to be a starter, but being asked to be a rotational piece. He seemed like he was more effective yesterday. Mm-hmm. A couple of times he stood his blocker up and filled that gap. And that allowed Jax and Bush to flow to the ball. And that's what Bush is. He flow, He's a pursuit linebacker. If he has to take on blockers, he doesn't. Now, Jax can. Bush cannot. But I thought that Bush made a step in the right direction. Was he spectacular? No. But he was part of a great overall defensive performance. And I would be more than happy with that if he could continue that moving forward. Now, let's not talk about Bush, but let's just talk. Is there any weak link on that Steelers defense? I didn't see it yesterday. I didn't see it at all. It was one of the most impressive defensive performances I've ever seen. You know, when you consider that the offense only had the ball for 26 minutes and change and everything, everything that they had to endure that, that goal line stand at the end uh, in the final two minutes was, was incredible. And, and uh, to, to keep up that kind of intensity for 70 minutes and, and continue to turn the Bengals away. Uh, I didn't see a week, a week uh, uh, link yesterday. I mean, I think, I think Miles Jack is going to do wonders for for Devin Bush as far as uh, making him perform like the player he, he can be, keeping the pressure off of him because uh, he's he's a stud. I mean, he's a stud. Maybe he's not the player he was five years ago when he first came in the league, but he's still really a really good dynamic inside linebacker. Now, I mean, that might change as far as a weak link um, starting this Sunday at, at strong side outside linebacker without TJ one in there, but. Uh, as of yesterday, this looks looks like a, a, a dynamic, dominant defense. I concur. Shannon, thoughts about that? To me, the, the biggest weakness, and it's been a weakness for a Steelers 3-4 for quite some time. Uh, Ryan Shazier helped take care of that. But, you know, since his injury, it's returned. And that, you know, they had Spillane in there as their nickel linebacker. And uh, I do not understand that because his weakness is coverage. So it was even pointed out during the game by the announcers that the Bengals were trying to get their offensive players matched up uh, with Bush or Spillane when they were in the game in coverage because they thought they had a advantage there and they could get first downs. And so the, the NFL sees, you know, it's a copycat league. 
and they know that's a weakness for the Steelers. So uh, I think it should be Jax. I think he's he's got plenty of speed, and I think he would be a better option there. At least Bush, I do not think Splain needs to be the only coverage linebacker on the field. All right, fellas. So we have had a great show. It has been so much fun to talk about this game because I'm going to say it loud. I don't care about all the problems and how everybody's worried about next week. One thing that drives me crazy, and somebody came in the live chat yesterday and they said, yeah, what we have to do now is I hope they lose all their games so (laughs) they can fix that offensive line. And sorry, it's not going to happen. And that's just, uh, that's ridiculous to me. Uh, But with that being said, I really thought the Steelers came out. I thought they looked strong on defense. I thought they did the best that they could on offense with the offensive line, because when you do not have a running game, it's so much harder to complete passes. So I'm anxious to see what happens in New England coming up this week. I hope all these guys get better soon. And I'm hoping that we have a happy hangover again next week. Any final thoughts, Tony? Well, as you, you know, it was a great win. I mean, now that we are learning more about the Watt injury, and I think we we were kind of already hopeful about the uh, uh, Harris injury. I think it 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 puts some of the luster back on the victory. So I think you 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 lose that guy for for the entire year. That's I think that that it's hard to celebrate a win like that, but. Doing what they did, that defensive performance was so incredible, and the the, the guts that they showed, the the the, the intensity that they 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 just never relented. It was it was an incredible win, and if not for the injuries, I think we would be all a little happier today uh, about what happened on Sunday. Shannon, your final thoughts, my friend. Well, I have to admit, when I heard about the the all black Air Force One tennis shoes that Tomlin bought for the whole team and in a way to try to, you know, unite the team as they go into hostile territory there in Cincinnati. Uh, I thought that a lot of people was talking about how brilliant it was and I just didn't get it. Uh, But for what it cost, if that's why they played, one of the reasons why they played like a unit yesterday, a complete cohesive unit and, and the defense looked as good and as great as it did, then it's well worth whatever those shoes cost. <laughs> Me personally, I've always thought all black shoes are very ugly. And uh, so, you know, when I first seen them, uh, I went to a private school where we had to wear all black shoes. And so I've always hated all black shoes. And so I thought that, that I said, oh, man, them shoes, what, that's a waste of time. That's, that's kind of gimmicky. But, hey, if it works and they play that inspired every week, worth every penny. So I I will say that I was wrong. And uh, so hopefully it'll continue to work going into next week against the Patriots. Well, you know, they weren't all black shoes, right? Originally, Nike was out of that model in black. And this is, it's funny because this is uh, the rallying point around this because this is the degenerate shoe, I guess. And so sending a message to his team that uh, you could rise above that. And, and I, I thought, I thought that was fantastic, but Chris Sable, the uh, renowned artist had a spray paint. <laughs> so many pairs of shoes yesterday around. I think he got the call very early in the morning 
over the weekend and he had to go ahead and spray paint those. So I, I thought that was really, really interesting. So gentlemen, let's get on out of here. Let's thank everybody for coming in. Remember, we can't do these shows without you. There's so many great shows coming up. The next show that you're going to hear on the audio side is going to be, of course, Jeffrey Benedict and the cutting room floor followed by the fix followed by the Scobro show followed by let's ride. But let's not forget about the Mike Tomlin press conference recap. Wow. Recapping a great week. And we're going to have another great week. So I am absolutely pumped. For Tony Defio and Shannon White, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. And I've got to ask you this. Well, no, I don't have to ask you anything. Because you know what? I'm not the one asking. So let's try this again. Just when you think you've got all the answers, Tony Defio. We keep changing the questions. Shannon White, you know what to do. You know how to take us out of here. Let's do it. Woo! Woo indeed. Steelers are 1-0. Celebrate.